Two Guys Talking Nostalgia Engine is here. And we need your help. Two Guys Talking has begun stockpiling reviews of great, classic movies, and we want to know what you want us to review. Access twoguystalking.com now and tell us which classic movies on DVD and Blu-ray we should put into the Two Guys Talking Perspective Review crosshairs and help us fuel the internet's best repository for engaging, nostalgic feature film reviews. Access twoguystalking.com and click any one of the Nostalgia Engine pictures. Tell us which movies you want right now. Action, horror, comedies, even the occasional rom-com. Access to guystalking.com. That's the number two, guystalking.com. The Nostalgia Engine. Ride in nostalgic style while you listen. Twoguystalking.com. S.H.I.E.L.D. It's an organization that both exists and doesn't exist all at the same time. For those in the know, S.H.I.E.L.D., the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement, and Logistics Division, is the counterterrorism and intelligence agency run by Director Nick Fury. Its global reach, with thousands of operatives with differing skill sets across the globe, continues to grow. S.H.I.E.L.D.'s activities have been documented for a long time, both in comic books and feature films. Those legendary tales now transfer to the smaller screen in a weekly series on ABC, via Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the findings of a crack team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is the detailed review of those chronicles. Set your life model decoy to take care of life's business for now. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast from Two Guys Talking. Death comes for us all. Sometimes you see it coming. Sometimes you don't. And wind up being hit like a runaway freight train on a Friday evening. The bottom line, though, is that you're dead. Your story is over. Finn. The end. Inside the most recent episode of Marvel's Inhumans on ABC and Hulu streaming, we're given the gentleman's name is Gorgon, where rather than there being an unanticipated death, they've actually... Name the episode with the character they kill. It's a bit on the nose, it's a bit frustrating, but par for the course so far inside of the ongoing story of Marvel's Inhumans. Sit back, strap on your hoof-covering galoshes for the last time, and stomp in honorarium because it's time for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. A detailed, always educational review of, this time, Marvel's Inhumans, Episode 6, The Gentleman's Name is Gorgon. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, it's good to see you on this occasion where yet another character dies inside of the realm of Inhumans. Death comes for us all, Orokusaki. Let's get to it. Sponsored by Acoustica's Mixed Craft Recording Software, Blogger's Bug, and the St. Charles Office Center. A daydream that is better than a terrible continuity error. The beginning of this episode, I liked. Because had it not been a terrible nightmare slash pseudo-dream state... So many continuity errors would have been broken. 
And I, I, not that I would be surprised at this point, six episodes into an eight episode season of stuff that I, I am tragically uninterested in. Uh-huh. Uh, but it was good. This was a good front end. It felt very comic booky. I got to give it that. Right. Uh, what I also continue to notice, though, is that, hey, we're in Hawaii again. Yes. Well, we're pretty much going to stay in Hawaii. We're in Hawaii, Hawaii. aren't we? We're, we're going to stay in Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah. This, I, 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 it's the moon and Hawaii. The moon and Hawaii. You're absolutely right. I agree with you. This this dream sequence was a great way to start the episode off. It grabs you. It grabs your attention. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, like most of this series, it builds your hopes up by, hey, we might be in store for a really good episode this time around. Eh, not so much. Medusa wants to take Maximus alive. This is not the commentary of the woman that I am ascribing to Medusa inside of this series, especially after all of her family have been put not only in the crosshairs of death, but tried to have been assassinated by the murder crew from Maximus. Mm. So I, I, I don't, I'm not ashamed to say I love me some vigilante revenge violence. And I like it when it occurs in comic books. I'm absolutely drooling in my chair right now for what awaits this month, November 2017, for Punisher coming through Netflix. I can't wait. And I can't wait because it's going to be vengeful violence. Mm-hmm. And so what I was looking for was a, a, a modicum of that from Medusa. And what we get is none of that from Medusa. I, I have to attribute it to the previous episode with Locus's dying words. I kind of feel like it has something to do with that where Medusa is concerned. Because before, Medusa was very vengeful. I mean, think yeah. about it. You know, Maximus sexually harassed her mm-hmm. and then shaved off her. all of her hair. Yeah. Uh, and one would believe that in a situation like this, the husband would be more enraged than the victim itself. He, he would be out for blood to wear it. No, let's just leave it alone. Medusa's thinking of needing to have a public trial so that the people can see how they handle things. I, I get it. It it does come out of not necessarily out of left field, but it is a little bit surprising, especially since one would think Black Bolt would be the more passive one, considering that that is the only member of his living family that is left, considering the fact that he has the guilt of accidentally murdering their parents. Mm-hmm. One would think that. Black Bolt, even though upset, would still want to try to find some way not to have to kill his only living relative left. But no, that's not the case. He's he's ready for blood. He mm-hmm. wants to whisper in Maximus's ear. Yeah. I'm I- interested in seeing what this does to the relationship of Medusa and Black Bolt in the last two episodes of this this show. Yeah, with 43 minutes times two left, I, I'm trying to understand the character arc that can be built by making her passive, and I... Maybe they'll I, surprise us. I, I'm very looking very much forward to being surprised. I just know that every time I do that inside this very short series, I've been upended every single time. We don't typically throw to the audience so early in the program, but I, I've got to ask the audience. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you guys think? Are we looking for... And I need one of two answers... 
please don't send me the new diatribe of the third answer that you and Nick are obviously too big an idiots to understand what's going on here. Not looking so much for that. Looking for which way you think it should go. Should it be out for blood or should it not be out for blood? A thank you. Come again. Dear producers that clearly don't know the American Sign Language sign for vagina. Nick, I sent you an excellent photograph of what awaits all of our listeners should they chance over to agentsofshield.tv. And it is clearly the sign for vagina that is being used by Black Bolt. A whoopsie-daisy. Maybe he was calling Maximus a vagina. <laughs> Maybe she was editing what was being said. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Now, uh, now we're talking. See, See the, the deeper, the deeper, dark secrets of what you and I really need to start appreciating inside of this program. Let's I now go understand. Back, go back to episode one. Let's go back to episode back one. To you episode know what? Everybody one. stop listening. Go back because we have a 1A and a 2A and a 3, etc. A review for all of... No, we don't. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying go back to episode one oh. to the conversation in the Grand Hall yeah. that... I can't. Screw that. Sorry. Remember remember when it. Medusa... I can't do it, dude. Medusa's saying Game blah, over, blah, blah, man. blah, blah, blah. Game over. Medusa interprets without watching Black Bolt. One of my favorite activities with my deaf wife is, of course, interpreting what she says while not looking at her sign language while roaming around with her family during the holidays. Obviously, Medusa is doing exactly the same thing here with Black Bolt, where she just finishes random sentences without actually looking at what Black Bolt is saying. Peripheral vision. <laughs> she's got snake peripheral vision because she's named after a woman that has snakes for hair. It wasn't like her back was turned to Black Bolt. Remember the shorthand we talked about. Yeah. Talked about they have a shorthand. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I will capitulate. No, I won't. Uh, I will not capitulate. <laughs> she could at least give the, the two or three extra seconds that Black Bolt would need to convey his sentence and then provide the exact same thing. I don't know. Again, it's that they, they clearly didn't, not that I was looking for it or expected it, but they didn't have somebody that was a sign language interpreter on staff to know that there is no way she could possibly interpret the sentence before it comes out of Maximus's hands. Unless, of course, Black she Bolt. knew it from the script. You said you said Maximus. Oh. It's Black Bolt. Insert Black Bolt where you need to. It, it, oh, okay. Then, Dude, then get, do, do your editing magic. Right. I love editing magic. Effective budgeting of transport effects. This was good. We've talked about this time and time again inside of, I think, season two and or three of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Mm. where the transport slash conveyance slash whatever of the team is done with a sound effect that is just off screen, some lighting effects do the rest of the magic, and no budget is spent at all. Right. Yes. That is, if we're going to do stagecraft, if, it, if it's going to be the Mike and Nick show special effects team pulling off all of the conveyance of everybody inside of this show, including all of the transport of the giant dog, then let's do it that way. Let's just do it that way. Let's save the budget. Let's get along, giddy up in the story, and do it just like it was conveyed here. Brilliant. Oh, I agree. I agree. I mean, we don't have to see it all the time. We have to see it some of the time. 
Right. We yeah. have to be reminded of the wonder that is being able to transport instantaneous from one location to another location by a giant dog. Yeah. But, but we don't have I'm to see you, it though, all that, the time. Right. Yes. We've now seen everybody that's on screen, literally in that scene. Everybody on screen is now transported with the dog. Mm -hmm. So you've seen it. Yeah. Look, there's something growing at your feet. Wait a minute. Where did uh, where did Lock John so and so go? Oh, they've transported away as you show the fading of light. And that's it. That's all it's got to be at this point. Save budget. Restore the budget back to storytelling. Get all the actors that are conveying everything, and everybody's happy, including the audience. Yay and scene. <laughs> The concept of creating an elemental signpost. I love this. Mm -hmm. Okay, so how are we going to notify everybody that we want on the island where we are right now? I don't know. How about Gargantuan Tower of Lightning? Ready and go. You know, I, I guess she's restraining herself and not using her powers to have a continual bolt of lightning? Something? Because, I mean, we watch, we watch several bolts of lightning... I don't remember the last time I saw several bolts of lightning like that, uh -huh. but I know I've seen several bolts of lightning where it's it's like that. Right. Over and over and over in the same spot, though? Maybe not in the exact same spot, but yeah. imagine if it was like 20 seconds of nothing but... That That's kind of what I was expecting, especially because they've absolutely had the throttle back on Crystal and her powers. Right. Oh, the, yeah. I think some we were so over, we, ha, mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. was so mm -hmm. overcome with White Hot Hate in several of the previous episodes. The one where she, quote, blows Dave over with some wind. Yes. We're pretty lameage, dude. Not even wind machine. This is where they go down to, they go down to local grandpa pigeons and they get the leftover fans from the summertime, you know, the, the $18 versions. And they buy four or five of those. And they put all those on high. And they put them in front of the, the Dave character. And you go, all right, Dave, can you, can you like, act like you're being blown on your ass? But not, not too fast. But not slow. Okay? And action. That's what we got with that. And it was terrible. Well, had it been too fast, he could have gotten hurt. And Crystal's intention was not to hurt; it was to not impress deflect. the audience, and not impress. <laughs> this also it was, true. It was singularly unimpressive. How about like she she controls the wind enough that she can? There's hover a him. lot of things about the powers used on this show that are <laughs> unimpressive because they're not handling it correctly, or they're wasting money. Uh, they're wasting money soaking up the rays in freaking Hawaii instead of saving money on location and spending that money on the special effects budget. Yeah. Sure. They spent it all on Lockjaw. Well, guess what? You can't just make Lockjaw really cool. You've <laughs> Dude, got there was a, five other characters. There, there was a reason that Lockjaw is unconscious for three episodes of this series. Yes, because it had not <laughs> they wouldn't have been able to afford the rest of the, the lightning effects in this episode. Right. Right. Along so, with uh, along with anything that Gorgon does later on in this episode right, as well. Right, right. So anyway, the, the bottom line of this is that the concept of creating the elemental signpost of lightning. Thumbs up. I loved it. Thumbs up. But here's the thing. Should have happened earlier. Absolutely. Should have happened episodes ago. Absolutely. The, 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 the conservation of powers can't be because we need to conserve the budget. 
it needs to be because when the powers are going to be used, it makes sense. That also just so happens to save budget. Right. And I don't understand how you and I, as just reviewers of this program, can say those words, and someone inside of Hollywood didn't think of that. Uh, I don't get that. That does that makes no sense to me at all. You know, we're going to do the best that we can with the budget we've got. Well, write it. Write. I've, I've said this a hundred times during the, the conveyance of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff, where we talk about the concepts of what happens inside the writing room. And it needs to not be, well, we've got to... Make sure that we're using the budget to the best of our abilities. Someone needed to stand up and go, wait a second, hold on. Let's do that, but let's also write good story. What do you think of that? And someone should have said, write that shit. Yeah. And I I don't get it. I don't get why that can't be an option. And instead we've gotta we've gotta hobble everybody. All powers have to get gone. No showcase of anything, including the girl that can control the elements. Dude. Let's you and I go throw a bag of dirt at people and go, look, it's the control of an element. Because that's all it takes. You get two or three two or three of those three-gallon tubs down at the Walmart down the street. You fill those with dirt from outside, you know, in Hawaii with black dirt. And you throw that at people. Done. Figure out a way to make that look good in a camera with all the cool cameras and awesomeness that you got. All right. And I don't understand why... We can't find a way to do that, save the budget, and then go be impressive. I, it's not supposed to be it's not supposed to be like this. Why they hide on the far side of the moon. Layer creation, the plan, etc. Instantly as we're running through this scene, I imagine you saying it's all part of the plan. <laughs> that is exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> And, and 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 they're explaining it, and I'm like, okay, so let me get this straight. This was your plan. Things are going wrong on planet Earth, right? Right. Okay. Not gonna do it. Not want to handle with it. Don't want to. Can't hang with the humans because they're too hateful. Blah. Whatever. Right. Sure. Yeah. Okay. All and right. Humans don't like us humans because we're uh, we got we got issues. We got problems. No problem. So let's go. To the moon, and I, I just I look at the the, you know I, I guess it's because I'm human, but like okay we've talked about going to the moon forever. In fact, man has been to the moon. Yeah. There have been several spaceships of men that have set foot on the moon, walked around, driven around, played golf, all of it. They've all been there, and then they left, and the reason they left is because the place is completely inhospitable to life. Mm-hmm. So here is the plan. And the plan is, one, you'd have to make some sort of moon lair where whoever's going to go as the the A-team is going to go up there and establish what the, pl- the plan is. Like where the building is going to go and what kind of materials are we going to use for the buildings and how are we going to erect the giant bubble that we haven't needed to have on planet Earth? And where is the castle for the royals going to go and... What about the caste system? Where do they live? Well, we've got to hollow out some of the the deep, dark moon earth for the mines. And, okay, no problem. And how big is this place going to be? I don't know. It needs to hold about 800 people. Now 1,400 people, however many millennia, years, whatever later. Generations, yeah. Right. But the bottom line is that there has to be a plan. And I'm not even looking for that all to be conveyed, but it's something you have to be able to think of and think that it's legitimate. 
I don't think any of that at all. I don't feel any of it's legitimate inside of this program. They haven't conveyed it enough because they've made Adelan look way too not alien. And I was going to wait until the end of this series to actually explain this, mm-hmm. but this is a perfect this is a perfect place to talk about the comic book universe. When the Inhumans were introduced in Marvel comic books, Adelan, their base was hidden away in the Himalayas. Mm-hmm. Hidden alien technology. Mm-hmm. It was Adelan was basically a giant spaceship, kind of. Mm-hmm tucked away in the Himalayas with a dome and everything that kept it hidden from human eyes. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, in the course of that generation, because, you know, it happened, even though it probably happened 10, 20 years later after they were introduced, comic book time, couple of months, Mm -hmm. they decide, oh, Earth's getting a little bit too hot. We're under a lot of scrutiny. Uh, Let's go to the moon. And they moved to the moon. Why did they move to the moon? Because they could. They had an alien spaceship basically be their stronghold to mm-hmm. where you could transport to the moon. Mm-hmm. We don't get that. No. There's, There's nothing alien really about any of their structures. Th- th- this kind of goes, you're hitting it right on the head. The other thing that's totally not clear, and we hit this, I think, in maybe the second episode review, mm. is that the whole concept of there being strains of inhuman, that's alien. That, that that concept is also alien. Mm-hmm. It, it no, that's not registering for anybody. You look at everybody that is an inhuman, with maybe the exception of the 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 fish people, right. like, like Triton and the other ilk in the gray robes, and you go, okay, so I get it. So they're all human, and they kind of look like it's medieval times, right? Well, no, that yeah, that man. is not what it's supposed to look like. They've made something interesting and in making it look like that, but you're absolutely right. None of this looks alien. The, the the writing that you see, it doesn't look particularly alien. The the wonder of, of doing the Star Wars stuff that we're doing over at twoguystalkingstarwars.com is that inside of even the smallest vision that you see that is shown on a computer screen, mm-hmm. alien writing. Right. It's all absolutely alien. You can't look at any of it and go, oh, that says blah, blah. Nothing. It's completely alien. That's what's missing inside of this, especially for the concept of them being an alien race and that the inhumans that are on earth they're another version of that it's like the it's like everybody goes okay what aliens do you see when i say the grays and you close your eyes and go oh you mean like the like in the book communion where the guy gets sucked up inside of the up to the spaceship and inside of there fire in the sky yeah fire in the sky thank you he uh he's being you know anal probed by aliens right those grays okay i gotcha Okay, well, that's one alien. Now imagine those, but they have, like, fleshy skin. They look the same, but they got flesh-tone-colored flesh skin. Kind of like the ones inside the fourth Indiana Jones film that shall not be named. Now we're talking about aliens. You can go, oh, aliens. What you can't do is you can't go, hey, look, it's a dude that looks like he's wearing chainmail. And he's commanding people on the moon inside of a base that looks like a castle. Yeah, you can't you can't say this is an alien culture and just dress everybody up like they're in a futuristic looking Ren Fair. It doesn't work. Yes, that that is it that does is so not well work. That is exactly what I'm trying to say. That's that that's the the look is exactly what you said. It's a it's a futuristic Ren Fair. That is that is so incredibly spot on. That is perfect, and it needs to be something different. 
Because to get back to the original point of where I was going, I get the whole concept of fine, you know, screw it, let's go to the far side of the moon. I don't want to be bothered. Humanity doesn't bother going out there. They know nothing about us, in particular before all of the land of supers. Mm. And so let's just do it. Fine. Nope. I don't have any problem with that. But none of that has been conveyed here at all, in particular when they mention it. <laughs> Using the they don't know that Karnak is broken concept. This was also brilliant. Yes. This is a piece of the storytelling that I'm telling you, they grab five or six little pieces like this and throw it into the direct that we've been watching for the last five episodes. Dude, I'm on board. Mm. This is where what could be perceived as stupid, simple storytelling could push everybody through the episodes with no problem at all. Right. The concept that they don't know that Karnak is broken. And so they will avoid trying to make mistakes by not engaging us. I, I literally paused my playback and Hulu streaming and I go, Yes! Yes! Where has this been? Where is the genius level writing that this is? Where has this been? It doesn't cost anything. There are no special effects to manufacture. All you've got to do is weave the writing and have a character walk in a straight line. Awesome! Absolutely awesome. And this is what I've been talking about from the beginning. This is the idea that I've wanted to convey <laughs> to you. This is how much of a badass Karnak is. Yeah. But until this moment in this episode, nobody's really conveyed that. Oh, it's like, well, you know, Karnak's the, our best strategist. Uh, uh, okay, strategy. You're saying strategy. You're not showing me how much of a badass he is. Right. He essentially tells the future. Had had we been able to establish this fact early on, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that the gooniness of chopping a bullet in half and retracting a piece of bullet by using pressure points to get it out of a human body wouldn't have been so far-fetched for you had you been able to understand and shown by the showrunners what kind of a character Karnak was at the beginning before he hit his head and got it all befuddled. I, I can definitely see the bullet pressure point, blah, yes. The whole chopping bullet, I, I, I you know. Oh, that's just cool. How did Mortis's skills slash gifts come to fruition? How well did it go over when it did happen? I want everybody to remember back to probably some of the best comics ever. It was a comic series called X Factor. And it was the re-onset of the classic X-Men team. Brilliant. Original five, back together again. Brilliant. Some of my favorite comic books from that spawn, the original, real, badass, old school apocalypse. Mm -hmm. Just brilliant storytelling. The art is off the chain. I still have them all. They're all bagged and boarded. I love all those comics. Inside of there, and actually inside of several of the movie incarnations too, which is pulled off really well, they go back to Scott Summers and his generation seed moments inside of becoming Cyclops and how much torture that is for especially a teenager. Mm. And I can remember reading that as a teenager myself and we've talked about this ad nauseum inside of the X-Men perspective reviews available over at twoguystalking.com forward slash X-Men. And the, the brilliance is that as a teenager, you can 
latch yourself onto the experience happening inside the book because it's your life. Mm-hmm. And and that that connective tissue that is formed by those things is what drives a comic book fan. Doesn't matter what it is, whether you got, you know, you got your giant comic book Woody for Karnakness mm. or you are a girl that has problems with her with her mood and so you love you some dark phoenix or you're kind of the thinker well you probably like professor x because of the showcase that he has maybe you're just a bossy son of a bitch and hey look magneto you know that every single character has their own traits that can be latched onto by anybody regardless of your age mm-hmm. that's the magic of comic books is that you don't have to be a kid to read them Right. Regardless of your age, you're going to get something from what is conveyed. All right. So that being said, I want to know more about this Mortis and this Mortis's generation seed for his powers. Because I'm telling you, a bad day is the onset of Mortis power. Right. Because you know what didn't exist before the day Mortis found his power? A mask. Mm-hmm. And so imagine Mortis just no mask. That's right. a bad that's a bad week for about a thousand people. Well, that's basically what Karnak is whispering in his ear while he's trying to uh get get the upper hand and get behind him. Yeah. He's playing on the the fears that Mortis had when he went through Terragenesis. Mm-hmm. And just what Karnak is saying in that minute 60 second scene before he comes up behind him and, and gives him the uh, the quote-unquote eight-second sleeper hold, it paints a picture of what happened to Mortis and the people around him. We know people died. Mm-hmm. He, they definitely died. Yeah. We know that the, there was a conversation along, uh, among the royal family about putting him down, killing him, just outright killing him. Mm-hmm. We know that... Someone made the decision to, no, let's not kill him. Let's just shoo him away somewhere. Let's not kill somebody who could kill us all. Let's just lock him up and put him in a nice-looking mask. And then you have to imagine, and, 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 and then because of that, if, if you've ever watched or read Man in the Iron Mask or anything related, anything similar to that, you can now imagine this life of solitude of being locked away and imprisoned in this metal or whatever, this lunar metal Mm -hmm. mask, simply because of what you were born into. And you can almost feel for Mortis. That's the thing. I started feeling sorry for Mortis. Mm -hmm. But then that's all taken away later on. Right. Sadly. Yes. And that is exactly what I'm talking about here is there's so much to milk in the way of good, solid Mortis story inside this episode that would have made for a thousand percent better than what they ended the episode with. Mm -hmm. And I don't... All I can think of is like, okay, we've got eight episodes. we got to make the best of it. And so get the check boxes ready. Have we got all six of these? Because we got 11 more. Okay. And that's what I feel every time I watch one of these episodes is that there was an outline, and on the outline were eight boxes. Inside of the eight boxes, they had six boxes. And inside of each of the eight boxes with six boxes, they had to make sure that there were six distinct things that happened inside of every single episode, without question. Mm. Otherwise, because we only have eight episodes, everyone's going to hate it. And I think what's happening here is that it's coming to fruition. The problem is that regardless of how many checkboxes are done, we're going to end up hating it. Yeah. 
I really do feel that. I Again, I, I, I'm not a fly on the wall inside the writer's slash creator's room, but I absolutely feel that when I watch this story. Uh, Nick, a question. How does the less than eight second sleeper hold work on someone without access to their neck? I really wish I had an answer for you, Mike, but this was this was one of those moments where a well-placed lunar judo strike something to a uh, nerve cluster would have been more interesting than watching Karnak try to sleeper hold a guy yeah no you cuz he technically one finger there is a concept inside of mixed martial arts that everybody loves the reference and it's called the 1 inch death punch oh yes this was this was the the process of killing people that Bruce Lee pioneered so that he could literally extend his extend his his four fingers and by then just clinching his fist and popping you in the in the sternum he would then kill you yeah and we'll link to some of the videos on it because it's really amazing you watch Bruce Lee wreck people <laughs> it, it, it's really amazing because anyway, Bruce Lee right I want the Karnak version of this that's what should have what happened. Yeah. the hell Marvel that's what should have happened here, and I, 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 I love me some less than eight second sleeper hold. That's awesome, but you must have access to somebody's neck, and you can't have access to somebody's neck when there is a six inch giant extra piece of metal covering the bottom of a dude's face because he'll burn everybody to death. Rah! It should have it should have been the Karnak sleeper punch. That's that's what we should have gotten. Karnak sleeper punch, awesome. The the two inch sleeper punch, something. <laughs> So chops the back of his head where there is no mask. Something. Right. I don't know. I don't know. And then they kill Gorgon. So, so the guy they named the episode after, you know, the the, the gentleman who, whose name is Gorgon, a dead. What is this show doing, dude? Because I, I, I'm ab I'm absolutely lost. Here's my thing. Here's my thing about this. I I don't have a problem with the fact that the character died. I have a problem with the way that he died. Had he died sacrificing himself to save everybody else, fine. That's noble. Had he jumped in the way when Mortis finally got his mask off and instead of him incinerating Karnak, Gorgon got in the way and he died. Okay. The fact that he's holding Mortis, holding him, bear-hugging him from behind so he can't use his arms, he can't get access to the mask. Great, then you've solved the problem. But then what's with the, I'm going to stomp my, my hoof that then causes the whole building to fall down on top of me? That's stupid. I don't, I don't understand. I, I, I do not understand any of it. I'm watching this, and I'm like, okay, well, you, you, you stopped him. Way to go, Gorgon. Whoa, whoa, what are you doing? What, what? Stop. And then he stomps, and the whole building falls on him. I'm like, that is like one of the dumbest deaths I have ever seen. Yeah. It was pointless. Therefore, taking away any impact his death has on any of the other characters towards the end of this episode. I want to feel bad for... Black Bolt and Medusa for losing somebody in their family. I want to feel bad for Karnak, but I can't because Gorgon got what he deserved. Yeah. He made a stupid fucking move yeah. and he deserved to die. Yes. Yes. And 
again, I, I, I do not understand. Can, can you imagine if this is now going to spill into what they think is going to be another season? Ugh. Well, well so let's we, resurrect we, Gorgon. Throat slitty portion is a bit much. Look, I'm up for a good throat slitty scene inside of any movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one inside of Braveheart is absolutely heart rendering. Mm-hmm. You feel for everybody, including the guy that's taking the life so malevolently inside of that inside of that scene. But this just felt like tacked on. It was not the way that I would see. I get that they want to show Maximus as like a, they have to put some badass on to Maximus, but I got none of that from this. I'm not sure if it was just the inappropriate lighting or, I mean, it didn't look dramatic at all. It's like it put the knife to the guy's throat and then was waiting for the juice to come out of the knife. It, it, I mean, it really felt artificial. I, I felt nothing when this was happening. And and typically when you have a scene like this, you're you're wanting to have that visceral, ah, and I didn't have any of that inside this scene. I'm like, okay, so he's going to slit his throat, right? And throat slitty happens, juicy juice oozes, and he falls on his face. And I didn't care. And that's not what's supposed to happen when you have somebody slitting someone's throat in front of you on television. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was a bit much. It, it didn't. Does it strike you that Maximus wants to get his literal hands dirty? Because that's all this was. This was a scene to get for Maximus to get his hands dirty. Period. Paragraph. There, there was no other purpose here. True. Well, the, get his hands dirty, but also, it's also an intimidation factor to, uh, you know, I see visions of the future kid. He wanted to, not necessarily scare him into obedience, but basically scare him into obedience. Mm. I actually had problems with this scene even before throat slitty cut cut time uh-huh. the scene all the, this is our this is our end scene this is our our, our tacked on little tease epilogue. ending mm-hmm. epilogue whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. and it just starts it like and it, it almost felt like it was a longer scene and because it was a longer scene they realized oh crap well we got to shave off about two minutes of this episode and they cut off the front half of this ending scene to where it's just, oh, look, here are all the people who are plotting against me. Welcome. Uh, welcome yeah. to the party. Yeah, you're right. And I'm going to slit your throat. And I'm like, what, what? All right. So now nobody else do bad things. Goodbye. Get out. Right. That is exactly how this So, so that was That's my first right. problem with it. Yeah. And then the second problem is during the throat cutting scene, I don't have a problem with the throat cutting. Eh, no, no big deal. But because I've watched a lot, of, especially a lot of horror the easiest way to do a throat cutting scene, of course, is you've got the apparatus that has the blood on the other end or on the under end of the knife. And as you take the knife across the neck, the fake blood comes out and it looks like you've slit their throat. If it's done well, it looks well. The problem is, is that right there at the end of the throat slitting, whoever, and, and I do believe it was the actor who plays Maximus, he he kind of dips down about an inch, maybe a half an inch, and the blood follows that. And there's no, you can't see any of the, the cut cut that you're, you're hiding with the fake blood, but it doesn't make sense that it would go, woo And I'm like, oh, wow. 
we we couldn't take a we couldn't do second a second take, take on that yeah, one. I didn't I didn't get that. We couldn't all. we couldn't just take a, a damp cloth and and wipe <laughs> off yeah. what's his face his neck and then do it one more time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, the the it, it was a rocky ending. It was a rocky ending to a what almost could have been a really good episode. Yeah, believe it or not, this is this is the up end yeah. of, of of what has been a, a very rocky series of reviews for this program. As we ask you guys, what did you find inside this episode that is something noteworthy that we either missed or didn't go in a direction you think differently on? Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's agentsofshield.tv. Click anywhere on the right-hand side, fill out the quick web form, and tell us what you think. We're going to take a quick throat slitty break and come right slitty back. <laughs> The Two Guys Talking Podcast Bug, a truly original autonomous mobile recording solution. Get bit by the podcast bug. www.podcastbug.com Being an outcast isn't something that all of us feel every now and then. It's been the subject of stories forever. Take, for example, the X-Men comic book series. In 1963, we were introduced to a number of characters that were different. Super strength, plasma bolts emitted from eye sockets, the ability to read minds, a man that could fly with angel's wings. In 2000, we were introduced to the X-Men on the silver screen. There, Professor X would teach not only his mutant students, but us as viewers of film, what it meant to be a mutant. There have been more X-Men movies and even another coming up, but where can you find the best discussion of all of the X-Men movies? Be sure to check out the X-Men Perspective Review Series at twoguystalking.com forward slash X-Men. Bullet point based detailed discussion from fans, fanboys, and mutants just like you. Join in the homo superior discussion at twoguystalking.com forward slash X-Men. That's the number two, guystalking.com forward slash X-Men. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com. 
and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From the Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Everyone, welcome back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of, this time, Marvel's Inhumans on ABC and Hulu streaming. Episode 6, the gentleman's name is was Gorgon. Every time we come back from break on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, it's time to open up the S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers. Our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers is where Nick and I find and focus on either an interesting actor portrayal, something inside the storyline that was interesting, or something completely different that tripped our collective review night fantastic or not. Nick, what do you got? Well, I could shove into my S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier the fact that this episode had better pacing Mm -hmm. than episodes before, but I think we kind of covered that during our review. I agree with that. There was a lot less bitching this time around over stupid things. Now, of course, there were some stupid things that happened in this episode, (laughs) and we did cover those. But I think this time around, my S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier is going to be filled with the simplicity of a lie. We glossed over it, but there was this great moment towards the end of the episode where veterinarian ex-girlfriend of surfer Mike Dude shows up with the cops. His name is Dave. His name is Dave. I don't care. Okay. Who who cares about this guy's name? Uh, Honestly. He, he got blown on a beach by a blonde. Right. Sure. Dave? His name's Dave? His name is Dave. His name is Dave. <laughs> Yo, man. <my laughs> the gentleman's name is Dave. Do I couldn't Dave die? <laughs> yeah, there we go. Kill Dave. Dave Dave fell off a cliff. D- Dave was trying to get a smooch on Crystal, and whoops, off he goes. Or, hey, struck by lightning. Boom. Doesn't happen, but once in a lifetime. Oops, sorry, yep. Dave. Anyway. Holy rewind and rewrite. There you go. The uh, what, I, what I really enjoyed was to cover the Inhumans, the royal family's escape from the law. We've got <laughs> Dave and Louise pretending to be a couple and and perpetrate the lie of, oh, well, she's just a crazy ex-girlfriend and she really needs just to get over it and, and, and move along. What a great way to get rid of a really annoying character because I, I, I haven't been able to stand the ex-girlfriend veterinarian character since she was introduced. Mm-hmm. I understand that we needed somebody to look at Lockjaw so that we as the audience the sense of disbelief, right? knew that... Okay, first of all, he's going to be okay. But second of all, here's another character that goes, oh, whoa, that's not a dog. That's <laughs> I've got to report that. Yeah. That's uh, not yeah, normal. Kind of wow. a thing. Mm-hmm. She represented the blind face panic of the unknown, the everyday human that doesn't want to just chill out and relax and let's go to the beach and not worry about finding your family right now, baby. Mm-hmm. I get her purpose. But I was glad to see her go, and I'm, I was glad to see her actually get a little bit of the comeuppance for being such a tightly wound, stick in the mud, pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Great. And that is my shield dossier. <laughs> it's a terribly appropriate that you're picking something simple inside of this episode to be awesome. <laughs> Um, I didn't necessarily call it awesome. I just liked it. I, I, I liked it enough. We talked about it enough, but I have to use it inside this dossier set as well because it was awesome. 
and it is the kind of awesome that must, without question, be repeated inside of episodes seven and the final episode of Inhumans ever on planet Earth <laughs> eight many, many, many times because it was stupid simple and made sense. The answer of Mike's dossier contents are the lie of Karnak. Look, it's Karnak. He's going to kill everybody, so we might as well just stand here and do nothing. It's stupid simple. It's dumb if you don't understand that he is the master strategistician, blah, whatever we're going to call him. But if you know any of that, it's brilliant. Mm -hmm. It instantly makes up for any budget that needs to not be wasted by someone wasting their powers and missing hitting people. You don't have to worry about the even the stuff appearing in the in the sky next to his head as he figures things out because he's not figuring anything out. He's just walking forward in a straight line. Right. I love that. I, I love the simplicity, but more importantly, I love that it guides the story through a piece that could have really been rocky. Mm. That's where we ask you guys what's inside your shield dossier. Let us know what you think by going over to our Facebook presence. That's facebook.com slash shield podcast. Click on any one of the threads that's there or start your own and tell us what you think. Ah, the rating for yet another episode of Marvel's Inhumans on ABC slash Hulu streaming. The scale works thusly. A 10 will never grace these halls. <laughs> A 1 has graced these halls several times. Everything, including bad episodes, started at a seven, just mm -hmm. so we're clear to everybody. Yep, always starts Everything at a seven. Everything starts at a seven. The numbers go up with positives. <laughs> right. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick, there are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? The funny thing about this is, and, and again, yes, every episode starts at a seven. That is the average. No matter what came before, we always start an episode going like, all right, well, here's the, here's our scale, and it's at a seven to begin with. Mm -hmm. The thing is, is that this uh, this episode surprised me and started going up mm -hmm. above an average. It started going up. I was like, wow, the pacing, th th this is good. Ooh, wow, this dream sequence, this, this, this is good. You are such a tease. I'm a, I'm a big tease. <laughs> and, and bring it. I'm waiting. I can't wait now. Go ahead. And then... We're almost done with the episode. We're over the halfway mark, and then they just start doing stupid things. Specifically, how Gorgon died, and then that whole ending scene coming in in the middle of it. It it, it feels like you're coming into the middle of a scene. I felt, like, I, I felt like I had missed something. Like I, I know I didn't go to the bathroom or anything, did, did let me rewind a little bit. Did did it skip? Maybe it skipped. You know, technology it happens, and no, there was no skipping. I'm coming into this scene, and I feel like I'm lost. And then we can't even take the time for a simple. I mean, I, I could I could pull off a great throat slitting effect for less than five dollars, Mike. I could go to the I could go to the dollar store right now and get everything that I need to pull off an effective looking. Throat, throat slitting scene mm -hmm. for less than five dollars, mm -hmm. and you're telling me that this big budget shooting in Hawaii, having time, having a fun time, soaking up the rays, show didn't have enough time to take another take. Uh, let's see if we can get this a little, make this look a little bit better. 
this this episode was a tease to me. I was like, oh wow, here we are, sixth episode, and we're actually we're actually finally getting good. We're finally we're finally going to be a, a sh- oh no never mind. <laughs> Spoke too freaking soon. So thanks to these giant problems with with oh. this episode there towards the end. I wanted, I, I really, I was really hoping that uh, I could give this a better rating score than I than we have in the past, thanks to the the idiot, oh, the the moronicness of Gorgon's death and that ending scene. I can only rate this a six, just below average. You you are far too kind. And, I and feel I'm like I've been. Oh. I feel like I've been more kind I, to this I, show than I know. you. Absolutely, and I'm. But I'm going to explain it all. That, that, and yeah, the cool part is that it. it has almost nothing to do with anything we've already said. So mm-hmm. it's not just a rehashing of hate. Okay, good. Here, here is the bottom line about this episode. Excellent ramp at the beginning. Mm-hmm. You you jump into it. There are some excellent hallmarks that are going on. Even in the middle, you've got the punch of what was my dossier moment. Okay, awesome. We've already gone all over that. What I didn't tell anybody about, including you, is that that last scene, I thought I fell asleep. (laughs) And I know when a program doesn't have me, when I have to start thinking that I fell asleep, that doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't mean I'm Mr. Continuity, because I can deal with some flexibility on stuff like that. I'm not not the rock steady must have A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I don't need to have all that. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's got to make some sense and fit. And this last scene did not fit anything at all uh, beyond the bad effects. Just the, I even understand the concept of it. Okay, so you're thinking you want to be a smart ass and you want to try and trick me, right? Okay, well, watch this. I get it. Mm-hmm. You're dead. I get it. The, the, not, only, not only is this guy dead, I've known this guy my whole life. You're, you're only 15 years old. So do you now get it? I get that. I get all of it. Mm-hmm. But that's what I wanted him to say. I, I would I would have been much better with that. Where even if it was just like you don't have you don't even see any of the throat slitty. What if it was just like, I will not tolerate you making a fool of me. Thud. Yeah. Do you now understand my perspective? Whatever your name is, fifteen year old. Snap to black. Now we're talking about something that's dramatic, mm-hmm. and that's. I hate it when you and I go back and we rewind, rewrite, but I don't get it. I don't get it how in a room full of people, somebody goes, oh, let's just slit his throat. Yeah? What do you think? Yeah? Yeah? Orange whip? Three orange whips? Great. Let's get three orange whips. No. <laughs> let's not get orange whips. Let's write something that is compelling, yeah. even if you don't have to show stupid throat slitty. There's nothing else inside of the series currently that matches anything about throat slitty, is there? Yeah. So why pull the throat slitty on the sixth episode? I don't. That is that's alien to me. The not making things alien enough. You can't just have alien writing on the throne and go, oh, it's alien. Checkbox. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what's happening here. There's no effort at all being made to make these people alien. Nothing. Mm. They did nothing. The the, uh, the comlinks are the comlinks translators because if they are. Half of the people shouldn't understand anything that's been said. True, true. The death of Gorgon is the capper for the crapper (laughs) inside this episode. Not only is it a dumb death, it's a death in which his name is announced. 
And I, I'm trying to understand that. It's like we didn't even we never got a, a, a we never got like a tombstone scene where we you know we can all kind of stand in a semicircle and each of us tell us things, and then Black Bolt then starts signing, and the last words we hear are Medusa voicing what he's signing, and the words would be, "The gentleman's name was Gorgon." There's your ending. There's your ending where it makes some sense. And we give a shit. That's the other thing. The overarch of all this is that I don't care. I don't care about any of what's going on inside of this television show. Yeah. There's no pathos for any of the characters at all. And so if you're going to kill the character, you, you got to then go back and collect some of the pathos that's going to be there to, to sop up like a biscuit. We don't get any of that. We don't get any of that. It's It's... Time to cut the throat slitty. Oh, I, 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 I don't get it. I, I know I've counted more than five things there at the end that take the five to a two. I know there's more than that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this one the grace of a two because this was a better episode than the previous episode. So I give this episode a two. That's where we ask you guys. What did you give this episode, the sixth episode of Marvels and Humans on ABC and Hulu streaming? Tell us now. Go to our Facebook presence, facebook.com slash shield podcast. Click inside of any one of the threads that we have there or start your own and tell us now. Are we way off base here or do you have something else to offer? Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. We're thankful you were able to review this covert communication reviewing the most recent episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the stories and soon-to-be legends on ABC. Be sure to tune in to our ongoing top-secret communication with agents all over the globe via our Facebook presence immediately, facebook.com forward slash S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, to be the first to be made aware of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. news, the arrival of our newest reviews, and more. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a super show for fans of superheroes, Uncover the mysteries, critical information, and reviews now by accessing agentsofshield.tv. That's agentsofshield.tv. End this top secret two guys talking communication.
Silence all phone technology. Maybe. There we go. I always do. I've got the show notes, but I got show notes without an intro. Are you gonna send me um, an intro later on? No, oh wait a minute, wait a minute. I think perhaps you need a tutorial in reading your goddamn email. Oh that no, my goddamn email just updated and showed me that you'd send something to me. <laughs> Shall oh. we proceed with the show? This is a wordy intro. Yeah. Dear producers that don't know the sign, the blah. That don't know the sign. That don't know the word. Hamana. That no, shigaraba. <laughs> There's your gold for the end of the fucking episode. 